Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Money can't buy you class, but my visa has several degrees. If you clap, I clap back. Oh, okay. You guys, it's Andy's Girls, episode 216. And I am so excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Couch. Her writing appears in Best American Mystery Stories 2014, Best American Short Stories 2012, Best Sex Writing 2012, A Public Space, McSweeney's, Tin House, Oxford American, American Short Fiction, Virginia Quarterly Review, among others. She's a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. She is the author of the books Aiti, An Untamed State, the New York Times bestselling Bad Feminist, the nationally bestselling Difficult Women, and the New York Times bestselling Hunger. She's also the author of World of Wakanda for Marvel. She has several books forthcoming. She's at work on television and film projects. She is a newsletter, The Audacity, and I'm so excited to have her on the People's People's Couch, none other than Roxanne Gay. Roxanne, how are you? I am pretty good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm excited to talk to you about Housewives because the whole idea behind Andy Scrolls is talking about the psychology behind the drama that we watch every week on screen and also sort of translating what that means for the Bravo audience. And in reading Bad Feminist, I found so many connections between the world of reality TV and sometimes how we perceive ourselves watching it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I'm curious when your housewives journey began. My housewives journey began when housewives began with uh, the ladies of New York. Oh, okay. Do you watch most of the franchises, if not all? Are you an OG of the OC? I uh, uh, that too. I actually no. It started with the OC, <laughs> and the, and the <laughs> it's little better to be better to have forgotten sometimes. And yeah, you know what is? I've I I forgot <laughs> only because I watched that first season. I watched the second season, and then I sort of mm-hmm. like tuned out because I was like, oh, it's just a bunch of rich women in a gated community, and uh-huh. that's only so interesting. And I just really couldn't find anything to I don't need to relate but to connect to um so I don't watch all the franchises anymore simply because I ran out of time uh but I watch even though I'm very behind right now I watch Atlanta I watch Beverly Hills religiously and um I watch New York once in a while I watch uh what is the other one? Potomac, I, Dallas. Oh, well, Potomac is wonderful. Dallas, I watched the first season and then I gave that one up. That was too much. <laughs> You're smart. A tastemaker. And then <laughs> I watched the, the London one quite a oh, lot, which is a lot of fun. Of London. Mm. Caroline Stanbury is kind of like the archetype of housewifery, even though she's on a franchise that is not technically housewives, in the sense of being a woman of wealth, privilege, great humor, pathos, and kind of came out of it from the jump, a reality TV star. I think some people are just blessed that way, where they have that certain it factor that works on reality TV. And sometimes, you know, you can tell that casting directors think that they have found the formula and then that person doesn't really have it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do have it. And you can't tell until they're on screen and the audience gravitates toward them. I have an odd question for you, potentially odd, but uh, for me personally delightful, which is who is your spiritual housewife? Not necessarily your favorite, Mm -hmm. but the person who you sometimes see yourself reflected in or wish you could be more like it could be a problematic person or, you know, like the people's housewife. Is there someone that you connect with for better or worse Hmm. is there someone I connect to for better or worse there are housewives I like I don't know that I feel connected to them but one of my faves is Lisa Vanderpump and (gasps) quite frankly I think that the show is quite impoverished without her and they should bring her back um I think it's ridiculous that she's no longer on the show. Who's to blame for her leaving? Um, you know, I don't fully really understand what happened last season there. I think nobody really understands. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a weird season where they clearly, even though there was plenty of real drama that they hid, they didn't explore the real, I mean, the they didn't explore the real drama. And so they manufactured all of the fucking dog napping and shit. And <laughs> so it yes. was mysterious. And I, I, so I suspect she left of her own volition because mm-hmm. of contract issues. I, and this is just my guess, but the show's not good without her, quite honestly. She is a woman who seemingly began her journey on Housewives understanding the construct of reality TV 
and the value of sometimes self-producing but doing so a little bit like a ninja behind the scenes. She understood the kind of plot that was needed in order to advance story, but was never interested in sacrificing herself on camera to do so. Whereas like Lisa Rinna will throw out a grenade and step on top of it as needed in order to have like the spark of a scene. And I think LVP was probably better for the test of time at understanding how much a person can do by calling Brandy every day just to say hi and maybe doing so at the start of a reunion day or or noting maybe who to make friends with and understanding how that group dynamic can work out you know at one of the ladies brunches what I think she may have run into was not willing to take responsibility for any of that work Mm, mm mm-hmm and yeah, that I can, can see be that. tough. Yes, it can. I mean, you know, I think, I, especially with Beverly Hills, it's all so manufactured. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that any of them know what the meaning of responsibility is, mm-hmm. except maybe Garcelle Beauvais. And an angel. Yes. So I think that some of them might use that as an excuse for friction, but I don't think it's genuine. Where did you find yourself in the Brandy v. Denise of it all? Oh, uh, I mean, it's like choosing between two horrific options. <laughs> but I actually like Denise. She seems, mm. I like her. She's appealing in that sort of housewives way of, you know, I, I think she's appealing because I was familiar with her character. I mean, with her um, career. Mm-hmm. And... um like when she played a nuclear scientist in uh, the James Bond, Bond. movie. Uh, <laughs> she also did, you know, that star turn in Wild Things. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you just never know where D- Denise Richards is going to show up. And That's true. <laughs> and so I think I have wise. a fondness for her for that. Like she knows her lane. She really does. And she's pretty good as an actor about staying in her lane. And yet she sort of needed quite a bit of direction when on this specific show, which worked to her benefit in the sense of people being like, oh, Denise is adorable with her showing up with like sparkly shorts in the Bahamas and thinking that she's in her version of black tie. Like there were moments where the friction of being a woman on this specific time uh, kind of reality TV and also being on Beverly Hills, which is sort of the top of the top when it comes to showing that, you know, the glam with a capital G, it seemed to be a difficult uh, realization for her to have. It felt like through her time on Housewives, we sort of saw her start to understand the show that she was on and then realize it wasn't necessarily the platform she wanted to stay as a part of. Mm hmm. If that makes any sense. It was like definitely the friction of a famous woman who did not necessarily want to do the work to have a Bravo kind of fame. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's what whenever you see a woman on these franchises whose time is short lived, I think it is because they realize that they don't have the time, energy or inclination to do what it takes to become Bravo famous. Um, And then there are some women who are clearly made for it, who are like, you know what? this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to make this my career for Mm -hmm. the next X number of years. I think we see that with some of the New Jersey ladies. Uh, We definitely see that with some of the New York women. 
And, you know, in, in Beverly Hills, you know, I think the, the thing that separates Beverly Hills from some of the other franchises is um, that many of them have careers beyond being a housewife. And they have money beyond being a housewife. A lot of the others, their wealth is constructed. But like LVP is genuinely wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I can tell, she may well also be bankrupt secretly behind the scenes. Because the other day I drove by Villa Blanca. Because <laughs> I live in LA most of the time. And okay. it was closed. I mean... Yeah, and I, that you mean, sounds about right. That's yeah. About right. <laughs> and I mean, closed, closed, like yeah. the building is for lease and so on. So, um, you know, and also like when you look at some of the other L.A. women, um, Dorit, Dorit, mm-hmm. Dorit, um, you know, we know questions. that their money is funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Mel- T- Teddy Mellencamp, her money is inherited and so on so i you know i think some of the housewives are willing to play that game and um and sort of stay in that and some are not we'll see it also feels like on different franchises there are different kinds of value and valuations like on jersey it feels like the value is the family and the appearance of having a great marriage a great relationship we saw that this week with dolores and david and the idea of what does it mean and how are you treated as lesser if you're not seen as being like respected as a partner, a girlfriend or a wife on New York society is the valuation, like the Jill Zarin of it all. I run Mm -hmm. with a fabulous circle of people, the Ramona flailing every season, every single chance she has to try to get into an inner circle that, may want her admission when the camera's around, but who knows how that works the rest of the year. In Beverly Hills, it feels like a lot of that value is, yes, the money, the wealth, but really celebrity. And I wonder Mm -hmm. how much of that has to do with the fact that some of these women have backgrounds in Hollywood and acting and performing and fame. You know, I think that's part of it. I think that they've been famous before this Mm -hmm. on whatever level. I mean, I don't, you know, they maybe not like, a-list but they've certainly been b or c-list famous which is still Mm -hmm. fame Mm -hmm. and so they know what it requires to maintain and you know i think that when they go on a show like real housewives it's because they want to extend their shelf life Mm -hmm. and so they really know that there's something at stake Mm -hmm. and so when you watch these shows how connected are you to the Bravo community, which is sort of like the translation of viewer to participant, where you're watching it, but listen, there's one thing to watch about Housewives. It's quite another to talk about it for hours mm-hmm. at a time, which is, you know, my niche. That's mm-hmm. where I enjoy having the most fun is like, I want to watch the show, but I really want to get another person's opinion. What's your outlet is it going online? Is it participating in conversations on Twitter, on IG, talking um, with friends? You know, I don't really, I mean, other than like stuff that I'll write into essays and, you know, when people ask me questions at events, I find it delightful, but I actually don't engage with the sort of community beyond the show itself. Like for me, the show is enough. I actually don't really want to know some of the like behind the scenes stuff and stuff like that. Um, it just, it's like, I enjoy the fantasy and the sort of 
simulacra uh, mm-hmm. of the shows. And, you know, I once considered going to BravoCon. Is that what it's oh, called? Oh, I went. It was a thing. And I read the sort of lineup and I was just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> like, it just felt like it's one thing to do that for Comic-Con, like, or whatever, even though this is our Comic-Con in many it ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I just couldn't find the motivation to do it but I, I I understand why people do and when someone asks me a question I will talk about it for a very long time so I enjoy it but I just have so much going on that I honestly just don't have time to commit to the sort of multiverse of the Bravo world even though I'm very interested in what's going on with Tom and Erica Girardi I mean, My listen, goodness. there is nothing I want more than a stage at BravoCon of you, Erica <laughs> Jane, and then just a bunch of other extra chairs on the stage where no one can interrupt or help her or guide her <laughs> in any way on her narrative mm-hmm. and see what kind of dialogue can result. Yes, I think it would be delightful to see that. And to just because Erica Jane is one of those people who like knows exactly what she's doing. Like she has Mm -hmm. truly leaned in to (laughs) being this person. And um, she just, you know, with the whole sort of alternate persona, like she's a complex case. And then now she's pretending to be this sort of like innocent victim. Like, I didn't know that my husband's money was all stolen. (laughs) Mm, Girl, did you really not know? Come on. How could she not know? Of course she knows. You always know when your husband's money is funny. Uh, It's just, she knew. She knew and she didn't care. Because I, I mean, I always thought that they had an arrangement, like because the way she talked about it, they had an ironclad prenup. Mm-hmm. So she was only ever going to get a certain amount of money from him. She was the trophy wife that he could take. She could clearly code switch between being, you know, like happy go lucky, <laughs> go go dancer type person and then a famous lawyer's wife. Mm. And so. I think that for her to have the sophistication to do that and to play that game and be a high society wife by day and then a real housewife by night, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, then she's savvy enough to know that her husband was probably running some scams because he gave the impression that like he's, you know, I think that he spoke to her. Like they seem to socialize together once in a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, he did the bare minimum. He showed up at a little dinner where she was able to introduce him as her husband pet, mm-hmm. where she's like, look at my beautiful little dog on the sofa, but be very uh-huh. nice to him. Pet him. Tell him how beautiful he is. Uh-huh. He's not going to speak to you. Occasionally he'll bark and you tell him he's a good boy. Yeah. I mean, that was that was their marriage as she wanted to show it on this kind of TV, which on some franchises might be enough. But on Beverly Hills, they're always towing the line into like, a deep dive into tabloid. So it was kind of only a matter of time in which we got some sort of big secret revealed that she could no longer control. 
Correct. Like the narrative clearly got away from her. And I think that's probably the first time that's ever happened because she was so tightly controlled. And even like for at least two or three seasons, a lot of the plot was why is Erica Girardi so hard to reach? Mm. And why is she so closed off? And I think now we know why. Absolutely. And there were moments where she could have doubled down on Denise in some ways when all of the other women were like, you need to tell you need to like mention it all. Essentially, you need to tell us more. You need to tell us more. And there are ways in which you can rewatch her responses and her silence, which is sort of telling you a lot. Mm. There may have been a time in which she was thinking, I don't want to insist that this person needs to reveal the deep, dark secrets or secrets that can be viewed and manipulated as deep and dark because I don't want to be in a position where I'm being forced to share my own. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. They got shared anyway. They got shared because of lawsuits. They got shared because of millions of dollars being stolen from innocent victims whose Mm -hmm. family members had died. It was no longer, is Tom cheating? And yet... As a way to kind of defend herself against the media onslaught, she at one point, which I'm sure was filmed and will be a part of the show, posted on Instagram these very sad screenshot Nokia receipts of him allegedly like stripping someone however many years ago. And it felt like she was trying to create a narrative where she was you know, the wife who was cheated on, the wife who was stepped out, people needed to pity her. And she got a significant backlash because people felt like, we know what you're doing now. We are too good at this as a community. We Mm -hmm. can see when you are self-producing plot and the stakes with this, it's not just like he's cheating on you. We're talking about millions of dollars of stolen funds. Yep, she really tried to, I mean, I respect the effort though. I respect the effort to sort Mm -hmm. of, maintain control of the narrative but mm-hmm. it was just like girl you were never gonna keep this story in, in you know like and in, in frame it the way you wanted like the media is involved and like the real media now not like just fake media or whatever i mean there is an interesting moment in which bravo news things that we know become a part of the national conversation like the in teresa and joe judy judy J, judy J, judice of it all like when you know, they were charged and then went away to camp. That became a conversation that many people were having. And what I found really impactful was the value of being a Bravo viewer in that space, where finally it was like we could translate this for quote unquote real news. Mm-hmm. We could provide the context and the evidence in a way that somebody, you know, writing about money potentially for CNN could not. Yeah, for sure. Which shows the benefit of sort of all of this ancillary media that has popped up because like I think that people who do engage with these shows and treat them as legitimate, which they are, are able to then sort of bridge like this kind of media with traditional media and sort of translate it because when you get like a straight reporter um, who's just used to sort of like being on the beat and then they have to sort of parse a Giaduce. Like mm. they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have that range. They don't have, they don't have the talent. They're not going to know that Teresa went to a furniture store season one and paid for $140,000 of furniture in cash. We're going to pull that out of a back pocket without breaking a sweat. Mm-hmm. Like, 
respect our skill. Talk Understand. about having the range. Talk about I mean, having the range. My God. It's also, it, this is a conversation that I get into with with um, Andy's Girls listeners where people, or people that I literally meet on the street, and I usually start talking about Housewives and Bravo first. When, I, when someone will say to me, you know, like, I watch Housewives, it's my guilty pleasure. My immediate response back is always, there's nothing guilty about watching Housewives and reality TV. I actually think it is a connective tool and vessel that you do not need to be ashamed about. And shame mm. for me is so interesting because on Housewives... It's like the overarching theme for so many of these franchises is how is shame being weaponized against one of my fellow cast members? How am I shaming for someone for their sexual identity, uh, for their marriage, for their wealth or lack thereof? Their kids are acting out. And while we can have conversations around shame and the way that shame is being used against each other, I always think that it's important to remove it because I do think that reality TV brings a lot of value in being a connective tool, especially for people from all different worlds and bringing that together. What's your experience in thinking about uh, housewives, shame and guilty pleasures? I feel not one ounce of shame about what I watch on television. I embrace Amen. it. I don't think it's anything to feel guilty about. People watch all kinds of things across a range of import. And mm -hmm. what's important to me may not be important to the person next to me, but mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to diminish my interests to make other people feel comfortable. Do you think that housewives could ever exist with house husbands how important is the idea of this being specifically told through the lens of womanhood i think it's incredibly important pretty much all of media throughout time has focused on men and so even though there are plenty of things that we could talk about with regards to the representation of women and plenty of things to critique this is a show about women and it's awesome i don't give a damn about husbands honestly <laughs> i don't really need to see any of that i mean it is kind of an interesting dynamic first off i totally agree with you i mean 100 percent. it's an interesting dynamic when you think about the ways in which husbands as characters as individual characters not full-time representatives of the show stars of the show cast members even of the show are important on a franchise like New Jersey. And then there are other franchises, you know, rest in peace Dallas, where hopefully, spiritually at least, where there could be a conversation about a person's marriage or dynamic always seen through the lens of this woman's story. And yet these men are underutilized, which on one hand, it could, the, the franchise could use some plot. On the other hand, this is an opportunity to recenter and refocus the idea of housewives, at least in this specific city, around women and women's stories. You know, you I kind of lose that. Yeah, I think the men are superfluous. I'll be honest. I think that in New Jersey, the way that they have inserted themselves into the narrative is typical. Like they just can't handle not being the center of attention, especially. Uh, 
Joe. Joe Gorga. My God, sir, get a job. Truly. Go find something to do with yourself. Go get a friend. This is not for you. And there he is all the time. And he's so controlling of Melissa Gorga. It's just... mm -mm. Mm -mm. The ways this past week that Joe Gorga decided to tell the world, which is what you're doing when you're telling this cast to people surrounded by cameras, that this woman in front of you is a broken woman. The electric pain that went through my body it wasn't exactly it was translated rage that went through my body at the idea that this man who is not even a cast member on this show is saying to this woman whose story is the thing that we thought we were following is somehow incomplete or not as well valued was wild Mm mm-hmm You know, and it just speaks to, like, again, that was his way of centering himself because he would like to believe that Melissa's life is complete and um, fulfilled because of him. Mm -hmm. And he's just projecting his own insecurities there. That's truly about him. But, of course, a woman is always a convenient target for a man's insecurities. I mean, he's had this ongoing tension with Melissa. There's there's an element of the Melissa Gorga of it all where I'm thinking... I want to support her in all of her endeavors, but it feels like several of them are manufactured for plot, but God bless her for trying. Mm -hmm. But when she's having conversation with him about envy or something else, I mean, he has no choice but to at every turn dismiss it, minimize it, refer to it as a, a hobby, question it, you know, criticize her and, and imply or explicitly state that she's lesser as a spouse or god forbid a partner because of pursuing these other things mm-hmm. and yet you would think the biggest thing that she's pursuing is being a housewife like this is a pretty large job this is mm-hmm. bigger than envy i wonder how much of that tension is him being pissed at her for being the star of a story that he thought he was at the center of yeah again it's his insecurities that he's projecting like, and it's shocking that he would think he should be at the center of it. It's called The Real Housewives, sir. Let's start with the title and then work from there. And production loves him. I mean, there are points where I'm wondering, is Melissa still full time because of Melissa? Or is Melissa still fine because of Teresa and Melissa? Or is Melissa still, fi- still full time because of Joe? I don't think that it's that they love him. I think okay. it's that they he's providing the most drama right Mm now. I mean, that's what drives all of their decisions. It's like, who's giving us the juiciest stories that's going to put the biggest number of eyeballs on this episode. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately his ridiculous misogynistic antics are giving them exactly what they want. And he is kind of like the people's husband. Well, I don't know if I want to say that he's, he is seen by a segment of, of viewers as a little bit of the ideal of someone who does want to play ball, who does want to play the game, regardless of whether or not they necessarily agree with, you know, the route he's taking to play it. Mm, that's too bad. Like, really? I, I, mean, I don't even think he's playing ball, though. You know, the people I think are playing ball were um, several seasons ago, like Greg and um, the bald guy. The bald husband, who's the ex-husband on um, Atlanta. 
Oh, like, Baldex's husband. Oh, Peter. 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 Thomas. Yes. Like they had like manufactured some little ridiculous drama, but it was clear that they were sort of like just wanting the attention. But they wanted the attention without dominating, without mm-hmm. making it all about them. Like they still understood that they were there by grace of their wives, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that. But I, I just with George with Joe Gorga, I just wanted like I can't even watch him. I think he's unwatchable. Wow. Where do mm-hmm. you find yourself on the Teresa spectrum of it all? You know, the tree hugger to the whatever the hell opposite of tree hugger would be anti plant. <sighs> it's hard. It's hard. Teresa's an odd girl, woman. She's an odd woman. She, she, I think she's been in on the game from day one. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you know, with that whole sort of artifice of the family in New Jersey, you know, she just, I think, again, she's one of those who does whatever it takes to be the center of the narrative mm-hmm. at any cost, including her children. <laughs> and I, I mean, some of those kids are, are evolving in troubling ways, shall we say, but they are children. Teresa's so, kids? Yeah. Are we talking Melania? about Melania? What are we talking, yes. oh, we were talking like, about? Melania. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I am reluctant to speak ill of a child yeah, of course, because of they, it's not even speak ill of. I just think mm-hmm. that those kids mm-hmm. were raised in a very specific way. And if they turn out exactly like their parents, it's not their fault. That's what I will say. A hundred percent agree. And I also think that consent is such a gray area when it comes to the kids of housewives because they're never giving permission to. Yeah, I actually feel quite a lot for those kids, Um, especially because especially when New Jersey started, those girls were all incredibly young. Mm -hmm. Like they were babies. Born on the show. They were babies. And uh, to grow up and have that sort of environment normalized for three or four months out of every year. I mean... I don't know. I don't think that it ends well. Like none of the sort of housewives offspring seem to have emerged from the experience unscathed. And Mm. I think some of them like um, the New Jersey daughter. Well, Brianna, we know about Brianna. Brianna turned out okay. Yeah. Um, Brianna is probably the best case. uh, Yes. Um, The daughter of um, Jacqueline. Jacqueline's daughter. The oh, one who, uh, Ashley. Yeah. Yes, the one who got into it and was like saying nasty things about the other one. Uh, like, what did you think was going to happen? Like when you, I mean, I mean what did we think was going to happen? Of course, she ended up exactly like one of the housewives. Um, you know, none of it is surprising to me. And so I just think a lot about that and sort of what kind of legacy these people are leaving their children uh, their children will hopefully ultimately be fine. Um, but I think that they have had some very odd behavior modeled for them. I mean, there's the idea of, you know, potentially being judged against the worst day of your life when you're on reality TV and signing up for that. But when your kid is having a tantrum and I put kid in the territory of, I mean, like I go pretty high. Like if you're in college and you're being inserted into a story and a dynamic, I think that's, I think that's a cringe to be honest. I do too. I think it's, they didn't ask for it. You know, they didn't. And so, I mean, I do think that the older children, especially the ones in college, Mm -hmm. you should have a sense of wherewithal at that point in your life. But even then, like 
would am I going to fault a 22 year old for like enjoying this moment in the sun? Mm-hmm. No, everybody wants that moment. I, I, and if they say they don't, they're lying. And so I, you know, it's just one of those things that is awkward to me. Yeah. And there are ways in which, you know, women think they're being cast on housewives and being cast full time. And then because of some sort of divorce, Michigas, their their husband, their ex, their former partner, whomever it is, revokes permission for the kids to be filmed. And as a result, sometimes these women lose their full time slots. Sutton, mm-hmm. who only recently now has a diamond, Latoya on um, Atlanta, who was initially uh, uh, supposed to be full time and then due to some divorce and conversation about I think consent for her kids to be on camera was demoted to a friend of and there's an element of the idea that like yeah maybe you won't be a housewife but your kids will be so much better as a result like Sonia's daughter not being allowed to be on camera because her you know Morgan ex-husband was said absolutely not that sets up her kid for, to me, such a better mental health kind of life as an adult. Bryn Hoppy, who's every being of her parents with Bethany and Jason's marriage, which slid very, very quickly into the path of divorce. Like, that's going to be tough enough to know mm. that every single person who's watched these episodes in her spinoff know some of the deepest parts of what she may con- what she may consider the deepest parts of her life. We know that without ever exchanging a word. Hmm. The fact that Jason didn't allow Bryn to be on camera is like maybe a point of revenge for his soon to be ex-wife, but also a huge fucking mitzvah for his kid. Absolutely. You know, you know that these men who are declining to give their wives permission are just trying to assert control Mm. and they're just being total fucking dicks about it but the sort of good news is that in their dickishness they (laughs) are actually doing what they say they're doing which is protecting their child Mm -hmm. you know I, i i i cannot imagine allowing my child to be i could see myself doing it like Maybe, but I could never imagine putting my child on the screen like that and subjecting them to the opinions of millions of strangers. I just, I think it's, mm, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for the child. And in some ways, Housewives is about like performative vulnerability. You know, like you think of the trailer for the season and there's going to be some loud point at the beginning and some wild, quiet, maybe quiet thing at the end. And in the middle, there's some sort of secret explosion of somebody finding out or revealing something or having something most often revealed against (laughs) their best wishes. And to think of inserting a child into that dynamic, I mean, that's tough. That's Mm -hmm. tough when we're talking about the reveal being the most important pl- I would think the most important plot device on this specific kind of show that's going to uh, yeah. be a tough dynamic I think so and I don't know that everyone knows how to negotiate that dynamic mm. and have you did you see last season of Potomac no I'm really behind oh how God. was it I I so desperately need your thoughts on Candace versus Monique. And it's one of those things where I'm so thankful you don't participate in the online conversation. If there was one thing to never discuss online forever, it would be team Candace versus Monique. It was 
the most toxic I've ever seen the Bravo universe to the extent that I was like, can we not talk about, <laughs> I want to be able to talk about this as people without genuinely people throwing bombs at each other. Like literally someone saying, well, I think someone had a point. Okay. You're a terrible person. Go fuck yourself. You're going to hell. And I'm going to tell you you're ugly on the way down. Like it was, it was real, real bad. However, I always find it so curious. I do feel like it's a little window when I ask someone whose side are you on Candace versus Monique because for many people Monique was like the person's favorite the housewife that we all loved Candace is a little messier a little sloppier much harsher much more cruel biting and that's like people in press people in previous seasons but as the season went on Monique was the person making the decisions that I probably disagreed with most uh-huh. And then you had this altercation, this moment where it came to blows. That there was an explosion of rage and pain. And watching the fallout of that stuff kind of shifted a little bit, too, because Candace found herself in a position where she had to explore the idea of being a victim and not necessarily being seen as one online based on her previous behavior, but also watching the idea of wanting to hold someone accountable for something having been done to them and knowing that she never got the ability to do that in her relationship with her incredibly toxic mom, it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, I am like, not that you don't have other shit that you're doing right now. I mean, listen. Just a couple things. Just a couple things. I am desperado. If I can get it in, I will. Um, because I like the I like the Potomac. I think they're interesting and they they intrigue me, those women. They mm-hmm. do. I also think there's nobody better at performing than Karen Huger. She's very good at playing the part of the housewife. Even when, you know, Oh, like she's really shift. good at it. And even like when you realize there's no there there, like doesn't matter. She's figured it out. Even when you realize there's no there there, I'm like, good for you for having mm-hmm. no there there. Yes, sell and making whatever. it work. I mean, she made it. She made it work for her. Like kudos. I will. I've um. I've spiritually purchased La Dame to support her. I spirit. I've done it in my head. One day I'm gonna give her my debit. It's gonna happen. It's just a matter of time. I need a product in my home that represents my love for this woman. Who I don't know that I really liked season one, but now I'm obsessed with her. This is the the thing. It's like the evolution of Housewives. The goal for me of Housewives is not standing someone the entire way through. Then I feel like at some point something has gone a little bit wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it's good to have some twists and turns. It's good to kind of change roles and teams. Um, Listen, Roxanne Gay, I'm obsessed with you. I love you. (laughs) You've made me cry. Like, I, I just really, I think that your work is so powerful and so connective. And what I love about talking about housewives is talking about the community of all of us and the power of using one's voice and watching a woman use her own. Like at the end of the day, women are complicated. Women are problematic. Women deserve to be seen as they do all parts of them, all pieces of them. Like I, there's nothing more important to me than the idea of on housewives, like respecting the villain You know, like you need to understand that people have the right and the capacity to make choices, especially in when they're not in their own best interest. Mm -hmm. 
and watching these stories and experiences and reading your work, I mean, I do feel like there's a real connective thread there. And um, I'm just really appreciative, appreciative that you came on Andy's Girls. And I do also just have to say, as I give you um, as many roses as I possibly can while I have your time, um, that there is something really important when talking about the experience of Housewives and being a Housewives viewer and doing that as women ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we are talking about women's stories and we women's. Are. And it's important to, as women, amplify those voices. And I'm just incredibly appreciative that you came on AG and um, that you are a woman in full use and power of her voice. It's <laughs> it's really pretty great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's always great to be able to talk about Bravo things, but then also know that I have more to offer than just that. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. And also, um, so quit everything that you're doing and working on and watch last season of Potomac six times. I'll do my and best. Then, okay, perfect. And then come. I would love to have you back on Andy Scrolls and um, talk about it all. Good. All right. Thank you, Roxanne. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, you guys. Just a casual... <laughs> Monday conversation with Roxanne Gay about Joe Gorka, um, among my favorite things to do. Um, many thanks to Roxanne for coming on Andy's Girls. Still can't believe that happened. She has been a bucket list guest for me, a dream guest since I created AG. And as you guys know, Andy's Girls is all about understanding and discussing and breaking down um, and connecting to the psychology behind the behavior and drama that we love to watch on Housewives this week. And there's no better translator of that spirit and energy and drive than uh, Queen Roxanne Gay. So thank you to Roxanne. You can follow her on social, on Twitter at rgay, on Instagram at roxannegay74. And for more information and to buy literally every last book, go to RoxanneGay.com. While you're there um, giving amazing women your cash money, uh, join the Andy's Girls Patreon. It's the number one way to support the work that I'm doing over here at Andy's Girls HQ. Sign up at Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. You get bonus episodes, invites to exclusive Zoom Kikis, and even the opportunity to record with me on a Patreon app. So that's patreon.com slash Girls. I put up, I think, like two or three apps just honestly in the past week, week and a half. So um, look for that. Follow me on social at Dame Galley. And guys, Roxanne Gay. I mean, what more can we say? A dream, a delight. Um, Thank you again to Roxanne, to all of you for listening. If you aren't subscribed to Andy's Girls, uh, give it a little subscribe button. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. And stay tuned for so much more uh, in the weeks to come. All right. Bye, guys. Have a great week. Stay sane and get vaccinated if you can. (laughs) 